the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you don't do what God's Word says to do, you're deluding, you're cheating yourself out of things that God has for you. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today's Core Truth, we are picking up in our study in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. This is part 2. Listen, there is an individual purpose There is an individual plan and a perfect will of God for each and every one of us. Yet how in the world will we ever find out and fulfill what that purpose and plan is in our lives if we never just do what Jesus says to do? Maybe as we sit here today, the thought of you being a person of great destiny, a person that God has a special plan for, it might sound to you so far-fetched. Now, let me just say this, in the event that you have never really been in sync with the Lord, that you haven't really walked in alignment with him, and you don't really know what God's plans are for you in the past, that is no excuse to not fully grasp onto them here today. Maybe you're young. Maybe you're in midlife. Maybe you're older in your years in a twilight of life. But listen, it is never ever too late to do what we're told to do by simply listening to what Jesus says to do. You know, last night I went out with a friend of mine from the church here. He says, hey, I got a gift certificate. Want to go eat dinner? Yes, because I am an eating machine. So yes. So we went out to dinner and, and so the waitress came up to get her order. And the first thing I said to her goes, excuse me, when's the last time someone told you that there's a God in heaven that loves you? And she just stopped and she looked and she's just like, well, I don't know if anyone's ever told me that. I said, well, I want you to know right now that Jesus came to die on the cross so people like you and me could be forgiven of our sins and we could go to heaven one day. She goes, well, thank you for sharing that with me. And before we left, I made sure that she had a card. And my friend that was with me there, he's like, yeah, you know, our church is over there on La Cienega. It's core church. And she had heard of it. And she had seen it before. And so it's like before we left, I gave her a card to come out, to come to church. It's like, now, will she come? I don't know. Maybe she won't. Maybe she will. I can tell you this, though. If we would have said nothing, the chance of her coming would be probably zero. But because we shared with her, because we reached out to her, because I handed her a card, there's at least a chance that she would come now. And I told her before we left, I said, look, come once. If you hate it, don't come back. (laughs) It's like, but you never know. What if God speaks to you? 
What if the Lord gets a hold of your heart? What if that happens? Yes, God wants to use us. But understand, it's like a lot of times people miss all these opportunities. They miss, you know, being used to God and even the little things like that. Why? Well, guess what? There's a cost to being used of the Lord. It's a cost that many Christians simply refuse to pay. They don't want to pay the cost. You know, all around the world, they have not been willing to pay this price. Why? Because it goes against the worldview that we live against. We live in this world that is anti-Christ. You know, we live against a, a pop culture that is, is contrary to what God has established for us. So it requires Christians to have a constant and consistent desire to seek the Lord in the midst of this culture that we live in, along with your desiring to pursue him by reading his word, by seeking him in prayer. Again, this will cost us as Christians to serve God, to be in his will. It will cost us time. It will cost us energy and it will cost us obedience because once we know what we are to do, then we must just simply do it. That means if we're living in sin, we need to turn away from that sin and live for him. You know, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. He goes, you know, it's like, so if we're listening to the word of God, we're hearing it, but we're not doing it. The Bible says we're deluding ourselves. That's in the New American Standard. That's the word that they use out of the Bible that I read out of. If you have a King James Bible, it says you're deceiving yourselves. But the original word means both and a lot more. The original Greek word means you're cheating yourself. You are wronging yourself. So think about that. If you don't do what God's word says to do, you're deluding, you're deceiving, you're cheating yourself out of things that God has for you. You're wronging yourself. Yes, there comes a time when we as believers, we must heed what the command of the Lord tells us. Well, let's read what happened next here, picking up in John chapter two. We'll pick up in verse six. It says, now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, since Mary had already told them whatever he says to do, do it, and then she left. So now Jesus speaks in verse 7. Then he says to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And as soon as they were filled with water, he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. So it's like, okay, we just filled it with water. He says, okay, now take some and take it to the head waiter. Yes, they did what they were told to do. They obeyed. And what happens when we obey? Peter said at one point in Matthew chapter 19, because, you know, they had left everything. You know, Peter was a fisherman. He had a successful fishing business. 
Well, maybe it wasn't so successful because every time you read a Peter, he's fishing, he's not catching any fish. But anyway, nonetheless, he did have his own business. And of course, the other disciples, of course, came from different businesses. Uh, James and John, they were going to take over their father's fishing business, but they stopped and left and followed Jesus. And Matthew was a tax collector, you know, and they followed Jesus. So, you know, they had businesses. So, you know, here's Peter now asking a question in Matthew chapter 19. Now, this is after they've been following Jesus for some three years at this point. You know, things are starting to wind down in his ministry now as he's getting ready to die for the sin of all the earth. And so after three years of leaving everything behind, Peter asks this. He says, Lord, we have left everything for you. What is there for us? This wasn't a question of greed or anything. He'd be just saying, hey, look, you know, we don't have any 401k plan going or anything like that. So, you know, what's going to happen with us? And Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, he says, I assure you that when I, the son of man... And he calls himself the son of man because if you remember back in the Old Testament book of Daniel chapter 7, Daniel's talking about the Messiah Savior to come and he called him the son of man. And he says, I the son of man will sit on my glorious throne in the kingdom. Everyone who has given up houses, given up brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my name's sake, they will receive a hundred times as much in return and they will have eternal life wow he says listen you give up anything for me oh it's all being taken well accounted for in heaven everything that you've done is well accounted for and you're going to have eternal life understand true obedience is that which actually obeys and does what we're told to do for those who truly obey their life will really count and that which really count usually will really cost but it's worth it That means that everyone that helps in proclaiming the gospel of God, everyone that helps support, you know, the Bible says to bring your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse. What does that even mean? Well, the word tithe comes from uh, the Hebrew word, a tenth. We're to bring a tenth of our income. One tenth, imagine that. A ten cents out of every dollar. Ten bucks out of every hundred into the church. Now, some people say, well, that's never going to happen. Well, that's fine. You don't have to do that because it's like, like God makes you do it. But he does say this, if you obey my word and you do what I tell you to do, he says, then the windows of heaven will open up and you will not be able to contain what I provide for you. And by the way, if you also do this, I will rebuke the devourer in your life. And what is that? That's Satan. So it's like God says, you do what I tell you to do. You bring the tent into my storehouse. So that way we can proclaim the gospel. Now, when that happens and you do that in obedience, then there is a residual. There is an interest paid to your account in heaven. Why? Because you obeyed the Lord and he's done this now. So now the proclamation of the gospel goes out the teaching of the word of god people's lives are changed people come in with broken marriages or broken marriages are healed they're restored to the lord and you have 
partaken of all of that and it goes into your account in heaven one day. Think about that. Now, I will just say this. Me and my wife started tithing when we were married about two or three months. I can't remember. It was somewhere. It was very early in our marriage. Right after we got married, uh, someone had said something about bringing in 10% of my income and I said, oh, that's not going to happen. You know, so I thought, well, I'll at least, you know, study this out myself. I was a theologian of being a Christian, a baby, and I'm joking there. It's like I didn't know anything about anything. But I thought, well, I'm going to take my little study Bible that's got an index in the back. I'm going to look up every word that I find about tithing, about giving, or anything to the Lord. And I studied it out one afternoon. And I went to my wife afterwards and I said, you know what? I've read every place in the Bible where it talks about giving, every cross-reference in my Bible, because I had a study Bible. It gave me cross-references to every verse. I looked up every verse. I said, no, there's no way out of this. God says to bring the tithe into the storehouse. (laughs) It's like, so uh, we're going to do it. So who can say this? Like I can say this. I mean, how many people can say this, but I'll say it to you today. Out of 40 years of marriage, I'm not talking to you as the pastor now. I'm just talking to you as another Christian, a brother in Christ. It's like for 40 years, we've been doing this. Do you know this? In my 40 years of marriage, since me and my wife started tithing, I have never not once not been able to pay a bill. Not once in 40 years. And I mean, there's been many years of much and many years of very little. I mean, I've lived with much. I've lived where we were like on the poverty level and we didn't know where the next meal was coming from. Man, thank God that pinto beans were cheap because I mean, there was a season of life for like three years that we literally lived on pinto beans. I mean, it was beans for breakfast, beans for lunch and beans for dinner. Let me tell you that will throw your system into a whole nother solar system, but we won't talk about that now. That'll be another message. But anyway, but it's like, I mean, that's all we ate was beans, 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 and rice. I mean, it's like it was just the cheapest thing. But it's like we had very little at times and we had much. But the point is this. We never not paid one bill once, not once, 40 years of marriage. I'm just saying all that... All that hand, that, that hand clapping right now, that gall goes to the Lord. And because that was him that did all of that. Because he met our needs just like what he said. And he let us go through those times that were really narrow, those times that were really slim. He let us go through those times so that we would trust in him even more. There was times that we had no money to buy any food and we would come home. And nobody knew this. Nobody knew it. And it's like there was times that we would come home and there would be bags of groceries on our porch. Like, how is this even possible? And there was this other time when I was out washing our van and our tires were bald. And we lived back in Virginia and it's rained all the time. And I mean, I, I remember like these tires are bald. We had no money. And I remember going into the house and I remember telling my wife, I go, honey, we need tires. It's like, oh my goodness. It's like, I mean, they're bald and we don't have any money. So my kids were upstairs playing. So me and my wife, just me and her, we just sat there and we prayed, God, we need tires for the van. That was on Saturday because I was washing the van. We had the day off. And so we go to church the next day. And on the way home, as we're come, driving home, I looked at my Bible and I noticed there was a little envelope that was sticking out about, about this much out of my Bible. You know, I'm, just, I'm driving, I'm looking down like, what is that? And I pull it out. It's just a blank little envelope. I opened it up and there was three $100 bills in there. 
I had the day off on Monday. There was no work. I worked in construction. There was no work on Monday. I had the day off, so I went to the tire place, and I, we get in there, and I'm waiting. You know, I got the, hey, what's the four cheapest tires you got? And then he, he took uh, you know, the wheels off. He goes, hey, man, you need new brakes. I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't have any money. He goes, man, you need brakes. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, all I got is 300 bucks. And he goes, let me see what I can do. He did all four tires and the brakes, and it came out to $297. <laughs> And I took the change and went and bought two cheeseburgers at McDonald's because I was hungry. The cheeseburgers were on sale. But anyway, it's like God just, he knows what we need and he knows when we need it. You know, so again, that true obedience, it will cost us, but it's worth it. Think about it. Everything that we own will one day pass away. Everything that was of great value will be gone one day. Your collections, things that have been passed down to us, money in the bank, classic cars, gold coins, whatever you have, when you die, someone else comes in and takes your stuff. You can't take it with you. There's not like there's a, a hearse, you know, pulling a U-Haul. You, you, you can't take anything. That's why Job said, naked I came I into the world, naked I'm going to go out. The Lord is given, the Lord is taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. We can't take anything with us. Yes, only those things that we do for him are the things that will last forever. But it's not just for our future. Listen, a life of obedience is a life of blessing in the here and now. It opens up rich communion with God as God will reveal himself in a much deeper and closer way. Way. Look, for those who choose to rebel and neglect God's plan and gravitate to living in a life of sin, there will be consequences to that person in living for self. There will be addictions. There will be diseases and a multitude of heartbreak and letdowns. There will be an emptiness and a loneliness to contend with, along with an ongoing feeling of guilt and shame. Know this. This world has fallen into bankruptcy in more ways than one. We have a $22 trillion deficit here in America. And so our country's really bankrupt, but we just keep printing money and it's actually like everything's just fine. But there's so many countries that are bankrupt. But listen, we have a different bankruptcy. We have lost our joy and peace. It's a bankruptcy of joy and peace in this country. We have lost our true meaning of life. We have lost what really matters. Yet, if we obey him, we can find our true treasure of being his children. Plus this added bonus in John fifteen seven, he says, if you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Really? And we're going to study that out more detail when we get there. And of course, that obedience to what Jesus says to do will also bring us hope for the future. And when we see Jesus face to face, he will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Could you imagine if you just simply obeyed and you hear that in heaven? First thing you get to heaven and he says, well done, you did well. You did what I asked you to do. Wow. There's not going to be anything that's going to top that. Which brings up our final point, a miracle to see. And that's exactly what happens here. Jesus told the servants, fill up those water pots with water, which they did. And immediately, as soon as they were filled to the brim, Jesus said, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. 
Let's, let's read what happens next in verse 9. It says, And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, he did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew, and the head waiter called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This Beginning, verse 11, of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and the disciples believed in him. Wow. Notice the head waiter tastes the wine. He goes, wow, usually people, man, they serve the best first, but you save the best for last. But why would Jesus turn the water into wine? Well, I'm sure there are many reasons Some we know, while others we might not ever know. But let's look at three of the more obvious reasons. Number one, like I mentioned earlier, having wine at a wedding was a sign of joy. Jesus didn't want the joy to leave this wedding. Maybe, again, he, was, he really knew this couple and, and just wanted to bless them. Let's remember, Jesus said in John fifteen eleven, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Yes, one of the greatest treasures in knowing Jesus is having his joy. You know, the word joy in the original Greek language means to have an exceeding gladness. It's a cheerfulness that is surrounded by a a calm delight. I wonder in this crazy world that we live in, with all the ups and the downs, if you have the joy of the Lord as he has promised us. It's something to ask yourself. Number one, Jesus brought joy to this wedding, just as he desires to bring joy to each and every one of us. Number two, they filled up six stone water pots, it said in verse six. They each held up to 30 gallons each. That's a pretty good sized jug, 30 gallons of water. Imagine 30 gallons of gasoline, okay? That's 180 gallons of wine. That would be like 700 bottles of wine. They're not going to drink 700 bottles more wine at this wedding where they've already drank all the wine. They're not going to drink anywhere near that. So yes, the Lord not only met the need, they needed maybe, who knows, another 10 or 20 bottles of wine, 30 bottles of wine, 50 bottles of wine, but he made it so abundantly for this couple. Now, I'm sure this young couple was no different than many young couples here today. You know, and now as a wedding gift, they have an abundance of wine that has been left over. And not just any wine, but a high quality wine, the highest quality of wine. And they could sell it now. Who knows? They could build a house or what have you. Jesus Bless this couple. And the third reason, and the most important reason Jesus did this, it was his first miracle recorded. To make obvious what John had pointed out, John the Baptist, that is. Verse 11, it says, This was the beginning of signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Wow, they saw something. Something that they've never seen before. Think about it. It was a miracle. This was done to prove that Jesus was not just a a moral leader. Jesus was not just some a person of virtue. Jesus was not just some a prophet of sorts. 
but rather he was God who came in the flesh to save all of lost humanity. Remember, from the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, to this point right here where we're reading today, God had not spoken or moved in his people for almost 450 years. God says, you know, you don't listen to me anyway. It's like, you you don't do anything that I tell you to do, so I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So he was like, I'm not speaking to you. Because you don't listen anyway. It's been 450 years. No one's heard from the Lord. And now, all of a sudden, this one who John the Baptist called the Lamb of God, who's come to take away the sin of the world, he's done an amazing, unbelievable, obvious miracle. And what's a miracle, by the way? What is a miracle? It's something that exceeds our human experience. It's something that surpasses the laws of nature. The disciples were right there. They watched all the servants filling up the jugs with water. They were standing there watching it. And as soon as the last one's filled up, now pull some out. And it's the best wine you could ever have. Crazy. It's the first miracle recorded in the book of John. And it's a wedding. And the last miracle recorded in John was what? The raising of Lazarus from the dead. So for you Bible students out there, did you get that? The first miracle is a wedding. The last miracle was the raising of Lazarus from the dead at a funeral. So what does that tell you? It clearly speaks of this fact that when Jesus is invited into our present life into our times he's there at the best of our times when we're getting married and he's there at the worst of our times when someone passes away at a funeral that's all the time we have for this message but join us next time as we continue our study in the gospel of john thanks for joining us for core truth radio you've been listening to pastor and bible teacher steve wilburn of core church los angeles If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.